I want to give a special welcome to Mary Lou, who watches us online from California just about every week. Uh, Mary, not Mary Lou, Mary Lee. I'm sorry, Mary Lee. Watches us just about every week. Uh, we've got people who are watching us from Mississippi today, uh, people watching us over in Seattle. Ken and Cheryl, uh, who are over there for his treatments. Uh, praise God, the last scan came back with no active cancer for Ken. So continue praying. That is fantastic. And I love that they can feel at home with us on a Sunday morning, even while they are over there. Uh, we're also grateful that Nell's granddaughter, um, the test came back. It is not cancer. So praise God for that. Guys, the, the prayer chain is, uh, I'm not going to say it's working because God's working. God's working in our midst, okay? If you're not on our prayer chain, if you don't get our emails or anything like that, fill out a connection card. We'd love to make sure you are connecting with us. All right, not a trick question. What is this? Well, I'm surprised somebody didn't say a bill. <laughs> Eric said an envelope. Very good. A letter. A letter, man. This is like for you younger people under the age of 21. It's a letter. <laughs> I know you guys know what they are because your parents teach and train you well, but think with me for a second. What, what types of letters are there? Good letters, thank you. What other types of letters? Bills, yes, thank you. There are bills. This one's a sticky one, wow. Christmas cards, yep. Yep, others, thank you notes, right? Somebody online said that there are pen pal letters. Somebody online also said there's the letters of the alphabet. <laughs> letters of acceptance, yes, like letters of acceptance to school. Uh, how about letters of rejection, right? If we go acceptance, got to do rejection. Letters of jury duty. Mike and Debbie, shout out to you guys. This is a good one, by the way, this letter. Um, yeah, I read it quick. What other types of letters? Letters from family, friends? My mom writes a letter to all of us kids and I think sends it out to a few other people every week. She's been doing that for years and years and years. Mom, thank you. When you watch this later, I appreciate your letters. Anybody else? What other types of letters are there? Junk mail. Yep, yep, I get a few of those. You know when your kid's a senior in college, you get a ton of letters from schools. Oh, like he's taking over a mailbox. I'm thankful when I get one letter all week long. Uh, letters of resignation, maybe. If you are resigning from a job, letters, anything else? We missing anything? Refund checks. Refund checks. Did you get yours already? It's only January 9th. Not yet. Not yet. All right. All right. Uh, somebody quick off the top of your head, name a good letter writer. My mom, thank you. Good job. Somebody else? Oh, wait, I missed that. Paul, Paul the Apostle was a good letter writer. Yeah, he's old. Yeah. Some, you're right, I didn't say it had to be alive. Very good. Somebody in-house. You had to have received letters from somebody in-house. Lucille Davis, thank you. I was waiting for that one. Miss Ginny was a phenomenal letter writer. Yes, if you missed, she'd write you a little note and send you a bulletin and tell you how good the Sunday was. Some days I would miss just so I could hear her say how good it was. It was fun. Yeah, Lucille. Uh, Cindy Matson's also a very good letter writer. There's several in here that are good letter writers. Younger people, learn to write letters. It's good. All right? Y'all ever heard of a Dear John letter? Yes. For those that haven't, girls under the age of 21, you ever heard of a Dear John letter? You're going to be like, I wish we hadn't come today because he keeps looking at us. 
a Dear John letter, simply put, is this. It's a letter that usually a, uh, a, a girlfriend or a, or a spouse at home writes to a military person who's serving uh, somewhere else saying, our relationship is done. It's over. I'm breaking up. I'm sorry. Right? That's the typical Dear John letter. Am I correct in that? Don't raise your hand, but if, have you ever got one? Again, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Crushing, I would imagine, if you had got one before. Well, listen, this morning we started a new sermon series out of the letters of John, and I'm here to tell you they are not your normal Dear John letters. Okay? They're not the letters of breakup, of ending a relationship. In fact, it is the opposite. John is writing to say, stay with me. Don't listen to the other voices. I want to be in relationship with you. And, and Jesus wants to be in relationship with you the same way he's in relationship with the Father. So don't go. Let this not be over between us. It's like the opposite of a Dear John letter. So you see, not your normal Dear John letters. Let me pray, and then we'll jump in. God, thank you that this morning can simply be worship and word. Um, I thank you that we get a chance to open your, your story, to open a letter this morning that one of your people wrote so many years ago, and I thank you that it can point us to you. I pray that it does that. Lord, help us hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One more letter came through online, letters of forgiveness. Those are good. You need those every now and again. All right, go ahead and grab your Bibles, your tablets, your phone, whatever you use to get God's Word on it. Open to 1 John chapter 1, and while you're turning there, I want to start with a little fun this morning. I want to invite up Bill Mortensen. People laugh, like, anytime Bill's in the house, it's fun. You can clap for Bill. Woo! Come on now. Just so you know, I told him he was coming up this morning. You can pull it down. Yeah, absolutely. We are calling Bill up here because it's his birthday today. I'm 37. 37. Bill, tell us how... Second time around. Second time. <laughs> tell us how old you are. Do you mind? I know we're not supposed to ask. What? How old are you? 76. 76. Yeah. Can we sing to you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll start us. I'll turn my mic off and let's sing really loud. If you don't know him, his name's Bill. So when we get to the name part, say Bill. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Very good. Not a question for you, for them, okay? You guys like Bill? Yeah. Oh, wow. That, I didn't even have to tell him that answer. Do you trust Bill? Good. I like Bill. I trust Bill. Bill, just so you don't feel so alone, 76, uh, anybody out there who is 70, between 78 and 80, go ahead and raise your hand. Keep it up. Okay? Go, okay. Anybody who's between 70 and 90? Between 70 and 100, let's go 65 on up. Keep your hands up. Be proud. You guys have lived a few chapters in life, okay? So don't feel like you're the only one who's in the next chapter of life. I feel young. Good. You feel young. Awesome. Awesome. I want to ask you a question. How good is your memory? Uh, depends what I got to remember. Oh. Depends what I got to remember. Perfect. Think back. Ready for it? 50 or 60 years and tell me one event that took place in that time frame. I delivered Volksman Review in the evening on my horse. 
I don't know if he's serious on that one. Is he serious? Oh, that is impressive. If you wrote me a letter Uh about that, I would read it. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll write you one. Will you? Yeah. Okay. I'll write you one. Good. Now, I'm not sure I would base my life on it, but I would read it. (laughs) Somebody else, uh, between 70 and 100, uh, good memory? You don't have to answer just yes, no. Is your memory fading a little bit? Just a a wee bit? If you were... (laughs) Barb didn't... She didn't remember if she raised her hand or not. (laughs) Barb, if you wrote me a letter, I'd read it too, okay? If somebody wrote you a letter about events that took place 50 or 60 years prior, would you trust it? Would Would you be confident in it? Everybody who's over the age of 65 is like, absolutely. Everybody who's under the age is like, I don't know. Why would you read a letter like that? I tell you what, Bill, you wrote me a letter, I'd read it. Okay. Whether or not your memory's good, but because it's you who wrote it. All right? Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Yeah. Okay. There was something I wanted. You can say something else because you have a microphone. Well, yeah, but you told me to keep it short. That's going to be hard. <laughs> Tell us one other story about between 50 and 60 years ago. Real quick, he said, what do you remember? That was part of it. The other part of it was I met my lovely wife, and we got married. And then I went and ran a marathon in 84, had 20 friends and family join me to go to Hawaii. You wonder why I pick Hawaii? Because if I failed and died, I'd have beautiful flowers to my family there. (laughs) Bill, thank you. Oh, one other thing. Okay. <laughs> I knew this was a risk. This will this is, this is, be it. I, okay. I promise. You're good. Uh, a lot of you know what our family has gone through in the past years, health-wise and so forth. And the only thing, only person that got us through us is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He walked us through it. He stayed by our side. And I only thank him because of his mercy, grace, and love. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Happy birthday, Bill. I'm not missing anybody else whose birthday is today, and I just don't want you to feel left out. You're probably not going to tell me, even if it is, because <laughs> I'll call you to the front. This morning, we jump into the letter of 1 John. And this past week, as I've been preparing to share, I kept asking the question, why should we pay attention to it? Now, the Sunday school answer is it's because it's in here, right? That's easy enough. So why should we pay attention to, to the letter of John? It's because it's in here. But why else? I mean, the letter of John doesn't even look like a letter. There's no introduction, like, dear so-and-so. There's no closing, like, from so-and-so. In fact, most scholars think that this is more than just a letter. It's like a loving and an anxious sermon that a pastor wrote to a group of churches in a specific region, the letter being meant to be passed around. All right? most, most scholars think that the purpose of this letter is to refute some people who had left the church come up with some of their own beliefs that were very similar to the church, but slightly different. And the author is saying, wait, 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 guys, don't go with them, but let me tell you what's really taking place. Let me tell you the truth. Let me remind you of that. Chapter 2, verse 19, John says this, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong to us with us. Now, thankfully, in the church today, we never have anybody leaving. 
We never have anybody leaving because they get a slightly different notion of doctrine or belief or practice, and we never have anybody leaving and then trying to convince other people to go with them. Nope, my sarcasm. <laughs> Noted? Yes. That happens to us as well. All sarcasm aside, why read this letter? Let's start. And I want to see if we can come up with just a couple of reasons why we should. We're going to read the first four verses. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Go ahead and follow along. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy. Doesn't sound like a typical beginning to a letter, but it's the beginning of a letter. Not your average Dear John letter. In these first four verses, I found a few reasons of why we should read this letter. And that's ultimately what I'm doing. I'm not going to dig deeply this morning. I'm not going to mine different words. But I'm just sharing why we should listen to this letter. And we will listen to it over the next many weeks. Okay, so the first reason we should listen to this letter is it seems that there's some important things that are going to be talked about. Some important people that may be mentioned. Some pretty significant significance. All right? If you're familiar with the Bible, the story of the Bible, you may have heard echoes to a previous book, a previous letter that was written. Listen to the, how the gospel, one of the gospels, the gospel of John, begins. In the... Well done. You guys have the gospel of John memorized? In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Sound at all familiar to the beginning of the short letter that we're reading today? You can just nod your head yes. If you don't know the answer, the answer is yes. Sounds familiar. Okay, now, he mentioned the beginning in our letter. He mentioned the beginning in the Gospel of John. Where else do we hear mention of the beginning? Genesis. Okay, do you have Genesis memorized? Genesis 1-1. Say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you ever get interested in the, how things begin? A little bit, a few of you. Okay, for those of you who do get interested in how things begin, it might be important, right? Letter writer John is saying there's important things going on in here. I'm going to talk about things from the beginning, and I'm going to talk about things about life. I'm going to talk about things about eternal life. He is the word of life, this guy says. This, this one who is life itself revealed to us. Now we testify and proclaim he's the one with eternal life. He was with the Father. He was revealed to us. All right? I could go into depth about what the word, uh, what the word, word means, logos. I'm not gonna. I could go into depth about what the word life means, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm not gonna. I could share how when he mentions eternal life, he really could be more accurately translated as the age to come. But I'm not going to bore you with all those things because today I'm just here to say we should read this letter because it seems to be talking about some important things. That's how it begins. It's pretty basic, pretty fundamental. 
All right? That's the first reason we should listen to this letter. The second reason is this. Even though it was written a long time ago, it actually fits very well with what we're going through as a country and a culture today. People leaving. People coming up with these ideas that this should be the focus of the faith. People trying to convince other people to come to their side, to not their side. These are things that we're encountering today. All right, here's a little history of this letter. This letter was written to the church in, anybody know? Ephesus. Ephesus, okay? Now, this should ring a bell because we have another letter in the New Testament written by a guy named Paul, who Joy mentioned earlier, with the title of Ephesians. Good. All right, so... We know a fair amount about this church in Ephesus, so it should help us understand, oh wait, there, there's that specific group of people who this, this letter's written to. Now this letter was also written between 90 and 100 AD. Let that sink in. I think most of us, myself included, often think, well, all the New Testament was written like within a year after Jesus lived. 90 to 100 AD. That means this letter was written 60 to 70 years after Jesus walked the face of the earth. That means whoever wrote this letter would have been about Bill's age when he wrote the letter. <laughs> and we know that we can trust Bill's letter writing ability. Brian? Now let's think through this. 60 or 70 years later, that means that most of the people who were around when Jesus was uh, walking the earth are probably not there anymore. Less life expectancy back then. But what this letter is being written to is probably second or third generation Christians. Got it? So people whose parents told them about Jesus because they walked with Jesus. Or whose grandparents told them about Jesus because they walked with Jesus. Now think through this a little bit. The faith has now been passed on for several decades, five or six decades. And the, uh, the lure, the, the excitement of following Jesus may have dulled a little bit. Can you, can you relate to that at all? I mean, at first, when you start following Jesus, it's deciding it's, it's, we're going to live differently than the world lives. So there's like this shine, there's this, this, this sparkle, there's this, I can't wait to do this. But, you know, after 60 or 70 years and after the faith gets passed on from generation to generation to generation, perhaps the mundane monotony of following Jesus every day gets to be a bit of a hard thing. One of the scholars that I was studying says that the church in Ephesus was in danger of becoming traditional, half-hearted, nominal Christians. Hmm. Let me say that again. Traditional, half-hearted, nominal Christians. Now listen, Jesus loved the church in Ephesians. You can say amen to that. Amen. It wasn't very powerful, but I wanted to hear you guys respond back, okay? <laughs> Jesus loved the church in Ephesians. We know this because the gospel writer John happens to say it in the book of Revelation. Jesus, however many years later, said this to the church in Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. With this letter, the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, write this letter to the church in the... To the <laughs> I'm going to start again. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. This is Jesus talking. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not. This sounds like what we're going through. 
You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. All right, so Jesus loves this church. You're doing a good job, he says. You're, you're kind of seeing the people who have left, and they're not pointing you in the right direction. Uh, Jesus did say, I have one thing that I want to talk to you about. One thing, he says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look at how far you've fallen. To the church in Ephesus, Jesus says, you've lost your first love. This excitement that you had at first when you first started following me is starting to wane, it's starting to wither, it's starting to diminish a bit. Don't do that. Come back to me. Come back to that first love. When Jesus was talking to his disciples overlooking Jerusalem, he said, in the future, the love of many will grow cold. So thus, a not your typical Dear John letter of I'm breaking up, but come back to me. Don't leave. Let's let this love grow. Now, the Apostle Paul knew that this was going to take place in the church. Fifty years before the letter that we're looking at, Paul was in, uh, in jail. He was on a boat on the way to Rome, stopped in the, uh, the city of Miletus or Miletus or however you want to say it. As long as you say it confidently, it'll sound good. Okay? He stops in the city, and the Ephesian church elders come to him, and he talks to them. And listen to what he says to them. Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28 through 31. Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. Catch this. This is 50 years before the letter of 1 John. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Paul called it. 50 years earlier, he said, this is going to happen. And listen, and then by that time, 50 years later, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus because Jesus walked 60, 70 years ago, and now we're trying to do it as people who haven't seen him for 60 or 70 years. Following Jesus 2,000 years later is hard. It can be challenging. I don't know what generation Christian I am. I'm, I'm grateful for the faith of my parents, the faith of my grandparents, the faith of my great-grandparents. But I'll tell you, even as a pastor, sometimes following Jesus is extremely difficult. The lure, the excitement, the joy, some of that. If you're, if you're a first-generation Christian, I, I, I thank God for you. And I pray that that excitement that you feel now will never diminish. But it might. So this letter, why we should listen to it? Because it could be just as much of a warning to us as it was to the warning to people 1,900 years ago. The church in the West is at risk of becoming a traditional half-hearted group of nominal Christians. First church is in danger of that too. Each of us individually is in danger of that. We run the risk of losing the luster and excitement of the early stages of our Christian walk. We are continually being seduced by other ideologies, by other doctrines, by other belief systems, trying to draw us away from the Jesus-first foundations of Christianity. So we are experiencing a lot of the same things that that early church in AD 100 experienced. That's a reason enough for us to listen to this letter. All right, so why spend time over the next several weeks or months looking at this? It's not your normal Dear John letter. 
We should look at it because there's some important things being talked about. And we should look at it because we may be in a very similar, a very similar uh, a place. Now, here's one that after I say it, everybody say duh together, okay? I'm, just, I'm giving you the correct answer. We should also listen to this because of the person who wrote it. Duh. Duh. These are letters from John. John happened to write the book of Revelation. John also happened to write the book of the gospel of John. Now, most people believe that the person who wrote the gospel of John, the person who wrote the three letters of John, and the person who wrote Revelation was the John who followed Jesus. That's why the duh. Because this is written by somebody who followed Jesus. Not somebody 1,500 years later, 1,900 years later, 90 years later. This is somebody who was there. All right, so again, we do the math. If he started following Jesus when he was 18, he would have been Bill's age when he wrote this letter. And yet, he didn't just, like Bill did, ran a marathon on one day and remembered it, right? He didn't just follow Jesus for one day. He followed Jesus for three years. He did life with him. He ate with him, cried with him, wept with him, saw him do miracles, perform miracles himself because Jesus gave him the power to do that. John is saying, listen to this letter, if for no other reason, but because I was there, right? It starts off with this in verse 1. The author, who we now know as John, is this. We have heard and seen this person. We saw him with our own eyes, touched him with our own hands. We have seen him. He says that again in verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. John is an amazing disciple of Jesus. John, it's believed, was the first one Jesus called to be a disciple. John chapter 1, verse 35. John was one of the inner three. When Jesus did anything super important, he called Peter, James, and John with him. When he healed Jairus' daughter in Matthew 5, she had died. He called, hey, Peter, James, John, come with me. Watch this. Just winks at him. Okay? When he went up on the, uh, the transfiguration and started glowing, who did he take with him? Go ahead, say it out loud. Peter, James, and John. All right. When he was about to be crucified, about to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, who did he call with him to go and pray? Peter, James, and John. John was one of the inner three. John sat physically closest, physically closest to Jesus at the Last Supper. He had his head on his chest. John followed Jesus all the way to the trial. We see that in John chapter 18. John was the only disciple who was at the crucifixion. John was the one who Jesus looked down to and said, you take care of my mom. John was the one who outran Peter to the empty tomb and who was the first to believe the resurrection took place. That's John chapter 20. John was the first one to recognize it was Jesus while he was in a boat, and Jesus was on the shore in Galilee cooking fish. John was the one who himself said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. I mean, catch this. If he had his head on Jesus' chest during the Last Supper, he heard the heartbeat of Jesus. Want to know why we should read this letter? Bill, you write me a letter about your marathon or your horse, I'll read it because I like you, because I love you, because I trust you, but this is next level letters right here. Okay, this is a letter from a guy who had his ear literally on the heart of Jesus. That's why we should listen to it. Okay, I want to hear what this guy had to say. 
1,900 years later. I want to hear it. Why? Because John had a different type of relationship than most people did. He called it fellowship. And he says, I want you to be part of that fellowship with me. This is verse 3 and 4. We proclaim to you what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've touched. We have fellowship with him, just like the fellowship between the Father and the Son. We're writing to you so that you may experience the full share of our joy, so that you may experience that same thing. John knew Jesus in a whole different way. He seen him, heard him, touched him type of way, and he wanted his listeners, and he wanted us to be able to experience that same thing. So listen, this isn't your normal Dear John letter. It's a letter saying, no, stick around. Don't leave. Stick around. Don't be swayed by the people who are trying to get you somewhere else. I was there, I heard, I saw, I touched, and I know Jesus wants to be in relationship with you. That's why we should listen to this letter. All right, so here's my takeaway personally for this week. Having heard those things, I'm going to reread 1 John. And I'm going to keep in mind that there's important things being said, that today we're going through some similar things, and that this was a guy who, you know, laughed and cried and probably arm wrestled Jesus. <laughs> Jesus probably won, but he probably did. All right? So I'm going to reread 1 John this week. Join me if you will, or if you have some other thing you want to do, let's, let's dig deeply, let's dive deeply into this letter over the next several weeks. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that we have a letter written by a real person who was really with you. I'm excited for that. Lord, I'm excited to, to hear what your uh, disciple whom you loved, and we know you loved all of them but one who had a special connection with you. I'm excited to hear what he had to say. Lord, I know he was writing to a group of believers 70 years after you walked the earth, but in a very real way, we can hear the words that he wrote to them and know that in some sense, we're hearing them for us as well. Lord, I pray for us this week as we read this letter, that it would come alive in a new and different way. I'm looking forward to the next several weeks, the next several months as we do this, Jesus. I ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.